Hello and welcome to the second episode of Critical Therapy, which is a podcast by the Sane Society. And in this podcast, I talk about culture and media from a um, social philosophical perspective. Um, and today I, I want to talk about one of my favorite uh, films of the past few years and um, actually probably one of my favorite films, uh, uh, movies of all time. Uh, which is uh, uncut Jap uncut gems from the Safdie brothers, and uh, up until the moment uncut gems was released, I uh, hadn't seen anything from these two directors, and but but I've come to really enjoy their work uh, since. Um, and I have to admit that the first time I saw this film, I was really quite disturbed uh, about what I had just experienced, and. Um, this movie was really a, a, a kind of a roller coaster ride um, of a film, and, and uh, after watching it, I really kind of needed, um, you know, a good amount of time to recover from what I had just experienced. Uh, and the most accurate description of um, how I felt uh, after watching it would probably be that, uh, like, uh, coming down, calming down from a from a drug trip or something, something that went uh, awfully wrong. Uh, so, you know, to sum, to sum this up, uh, it, it was a very stress-inducing uh, kind of film. Um, in, in the movie, just to give you a quick uh, kind of summary, in the movie we follow this jeweler, Howie, Howard, and uh, his tra tra tragical sort of path uh, to his own, uh, um, spoiler alert, uh, demise, and uh, the circumstances... Um, he's involved in that lead up to that very event. And here we can made, make a first uh, interesting observation because some viewers might argue that, um, that the way things go for Howard are entirely based on his shortcomings as a person. And um, I, 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 I want to actually argue that, that it's the exact opposite way, that in, in fact he's very much a product of uh, his environment. Before I get there, though, let me just say a few more words about the events in the film. So the film um, starts with a shot that is literally showing us his uh, insides, uh, Howard's insides. And I won't elaborate too much on that. Uh, if, if you haven't seen the film yet, you, you should definitely catch up on that. Uh, <laughs> so I think that this first shot of the film really is very um, sort of prophetic uh, for uh, in a metaphorical kind of way about what the, the rest of the film is uh, actually going to be. We will basically see Howard in this very close-up uh, sort of perspective um, of his personality. And it, it is extremely uh, uncomfortable because we constantly follow him. Um, uh, we, we, fail, we see him failing and uh, hit, hit all these uh, walls. And we, we constantly um, uh, watch him uh, hurt himself and, and the people around him. We see Howard compulsively uh, running around trying to fix things, uh, but ul uh, ultimately uh, making most things worse and worse. Um, we see the people around him uh, full of resentment uh, against him uh, because they have experienced his unreliability for a long time. And uh, Howard is very much um, in a mode of constant uh, compensation. And he compensates with his uh, addiction, which is gambling. Uh, he makes uh, bets for sports, 
and uh, th- th- that's his his gambling addiction. And uh, within the movie, he will put himself uh, in a lot of risky and and dangerous situations to be able to uh, make these bets. So, as I said, uh, Howard seems to be really driven by this uh, kind of need of uh, for for compensation, and his addiction is um, is his uh, kind of compensation method uh, of choice. And here again, we could argue. Um, it seems uh, th- that once again Howard is the problem, and argue that that this sort of normative individualist framework, where uh, Howard is the reason, uh, th- his actions are basically his own responsibility. Um, but 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 like I've said before, I would like to make uh, the opposite point uh, as to Howard acting as a product uh, of his environment, and therefore the first thing I'd like to point uh, uh, to is. This conception uh, of compulsive needs with, with within Marx's conception of alienation, and to get there, uh, though, I'd like to just for a second jump back to the very first scene of the movie, and um, this rather uh, short sequence shows us a, a mine in Ethiopia, but it's uh, it's not uh, any any mine. It's the uh, it's the specific mine where the diamond um, is found that will re- reappear later on uh, in the film. So the first thing to note here is that uh, we witness um, uh, we we witness in this scene the misery that is connected to the labor conditions um, of the workers that are uh, exploited here, and the movie makes clear uh, immediately uh, that the working uh, conditions of the miners are really awful. So, if we apply this uh, to Marx, uh, we have here a, a group of people that re- kind of receive the, the short end of the stick in relation to the. Uh, property relations within capitalism. Uh, these workers obviously do not own the means of production, so they are the ones on whose so- shoulders uh, values, uh, value is produced and capital uh, in the form of a commodity, that is the diamond, uh, which enters into a, a circulation cycle. And to understand this clearly, um, uh, you can uh, we can imagine a cake that is being produced and then kind of handed around um, and when it, wherever the cake arrives uh, on this trip, uh, someone wants to take off as much as they can within the realm of possibility. Um, and so, as I said, the opal in the form of a commodity um, then enters this kind of cycle, and the people that want a piece of its value and uh, everyone else uh, that is part of a capitalist social formation will project uh, this uh, social relation in which uh, it acquires uh, value through a certain process it undergoes uh, onto this commodity. Uh, and this is what Marx uh, uh, calls the commodity fetish. Uh, it is this uh, ideological effect that because of the way we sort of are plugged in uh, in this very social formation, that we don't see the way value is created and therefore mystify this relation onto uh, onto the commodity and thereby naturalize something that is uh, solely uh, fictitious. And we, we can see this uh, in, in the movie, particularly in one scene where the basketball player, Kevin Garnett, uh, sees the opal for the very first time and almost seems to be uh, bewitched by it. And uh, this quite literally exemplifies uh, the original meaning of the word fetish because... Um, Marx actually uh, lent this term from anthropology, where it describes uh, this this way in which different cultures project a, a sort of a spiritual meaning onto certain religious objects. And um, 
In his earlier work, Marx also talks about how the social relations, uh, that the economic base of the relations of private property, sort of set up this uh, um, compulsive character structure. Uh, the workers have to um, participate uh, in this process by uh, force to be able to cover their uh, subsistence. And, and the capitalists, on the other hand, are exposed to different uh, practical constraints that are related to the necessity of generating profit or otherwise fall, uh, fail in, in the system, which is to say uh, fail as a business by well, running out of business. So Marx now says that the needs that will develop out of these social circumstances will be, um, uh, he, he says this in the uh, uh, philosophical economic manuscripts, an earlier text, uh, uh, he says that the needs that will develop out of these uh, social circumstances will be related to the particular char uh, character of the um, social practices that situate people uh, within these circumstances. And th that is what uh, uh, Andrew Chitty then calls compulsive needs uh, in his text, the early marks uh, on needs. And he says that um, social subjects are uh, dominated by uh, their social position within the division of labor. And from there, he then um, furthermore argues that needs within capitalism have this egoistic quality where uh, because of how the property relations are set up, um, each subject kind of encounters um, other subject as an obstacle to their personal goals. Um, I, I have a quote here um, from uh, from uh, the, the the text I was talking about. Um, uh, quote: uh, Capitalism is essentially conceived as production for exchange, in which one section of the society, um, the capitalists, come to personify money and its power, while the rest, the workers, personify labor for an income or estranged labor. Correspondingly, egoistic need in the capitalist becomes the need to accumulate money as such, while in the worker it becomes reduced to the need for enough money just to maintain himself as a worker. Yet, despite this asymmetry, both conceptions of need are simply developments of, developments of the basic idea of egoistic need as constituted in, simply exchange, in simple exchange. The need for your own object made compulsive through your relation to another with whom you hoped to exchange it. Um, uh, that, that was the quote. Uh, so if we return with this to our protagonist, Howard, we basically um, have a, uh, a, pr a prime example of a character driven by compulsive need. Uh, Howard basically uh, personifies the, the, the compul compulsive drive um, that, uh, that is necessarily uh, necessary within a um, certain set of social relations. So the, the external sort of uh, coercions and forces are being internalized uh, by, by the subjects within capitalism, or Howard in this case. And, and, and at the very heart of um, compulsive need for Marx really lies the need for money. And, and Marx writes in the Economic and Philosophical Manuscripts uh, that I um, already talked about. Um, uh, I have another quote here. The need for money is uh, the true need created by the modern economic system and the only need it creates. So um, 
to, to put it very simple, Howard, just like everyone else within capitalism, is addicted to money, uh, if, we, if we simplify it a little bit here. So there is another conception from Marx that I think applies here, and that is his notion of alienated work. And um, with that, Marx kind of describes the, uh, the psychological relation between the subjects that are situated within a capitalist system um, towards the uh, system itself and the question as to if the subjects are free and autonomous within that very system. And um, in Hegel, you find this conception of social freedom that, uh, that Axel Honneth uh, also kind of adapted, where uh, Hegel sort of argues that someone is free um, to the degree uh, uh, to which their social environment is kind of this uh, objectification of their will. And on the contrary, someone then you could call alienated uh, to the degree that is that this is not the case, that they can't realize their own will uh, or objectified within their environment. And here we can see um, uh, very clearly uh, the alienation of Howard um, um his, uh, his, his relation towards the social environment is defined by the strong disconnection. And if we take back, uh, if we take this back to the conception of egoistic need uh, in capitalism, this makes uh, perfect sense. Um, and, and we find that social freedom uh, um, and a system based on property relations that support egoistic needs, where people sort of meet as if, if they're enemies, uh, these things don't go together. And, um, and, and that is why Howard is alienated in, in this uh, specific social milieu. And um, uh, furthermore, if, if, if uh, social freedom means to be able to see our own will being objectified within our social environment, then capitalism is basically the, the, the kind of the kryptonite for social freedom as it uh, you know revolves around the necessity for egoistic need within social relations. Um, you know, that are based on, on, as I said, private property and uh, a certain class-related division uh, of the means of production. Um, and and that, uh, that, that kind of brings me to my, um, to my uh, last point, which is that I find uh, Uncut Gems to be an incredibly honest film. It, it, it doesn't create this uh, ideological scenario where capitalism is bad and then there are the good, uh, you know, oppressed people uh, suffering from it. it. It shows how capitalism works through the subjects that are part of uh, the, the capitalism and how it, it makes them, well, per particularly the protagonists behave, uh, you know, really ugly. But it's still at the same time, uh, the, the movie still at the same time portrays Howard with a lot of compassion, in my opinion. And I think that this this kind of honesty um, is something that is uh, you know desperately uh, uh, needed when we have uh, uh, these strong tendencies to always shift blame towards single individuals and forget that we're kind of all involved in the system and socialized by it and, and that it makes us behave in you know certain ugly ways. And Howard, the protagonist from Anka Gems, really uh, uh, is a portrayal of this. And there's a beautiful quote from uh, a, a, an interview with the directors that I want to read here from um, Vulture, um, where they are being asked why uh, Howard himself is a, 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 being asked why Howard himself is a, a, like sort of an uncut gem. And um, uh, 
let me see here the quote. So, so first, Benny Safdie, one of the brothers, says, um, the idea is that he's rough on the outside, but if you scratched below the surface, you see the beauty and you see these things that you didn't quite know were there at first glance. You need to understand him um, to really love and know who he is. And then the other brother says, um, um, to me, Howard being an uncut gem is like a corollary to the movie being a radical humanist film, which is kind of, in a weird way, all of our movies. Our entire life, uh, we, 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 our entire life, we've grown up with a very flawed people around us, and we've had to see uh, past those flaws and uh, or, or excuse them to get uh, at something that makes them relatable or human or worthy of value. In the jewelry trade, uncut gems are major gambles. You have to be um, a genius with your eye to find one that is actually valuable. And then, yeah, um, th th that's the quote. And um, I think this is very, uh, very telling here uh, that they say that uh, this movie is a humanist film. Um, Uh, about uh, giving it a uh, sort of uh, a second uh, look because uh, once again, the first, I, I could see uh, someone watching this film and being uh, just like upset by Howard and um, and uh, just thinking about him being flawed. But, but I think there's an, a, a layer beneath that that, uh, that fits with this quote where... Um, He's actually, um, this, this is actually a very compassionate look at kind of um, uh, this capitalist nature that is, you know, personified within each and every one uh, of us. Um, so also in these quotes, the directors make it very clear how they're aware of how, how, how flawed he is. Uh, but at the same time, they talk about how they grew up in a milieu where, you know, people act selfishly. Um, And then this milieu, by the way, shares many similarities with the milieu that is being uh, portrayed in the film. And, 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 and this is what I mean when I say that, the, the, that this isn't a very, very honest film. Um, Hollywood films often actually have this uh, a tendency to create this division between uh, honest people, the, the good ones, which are often the protagonists, and then you have, uh, you know, have everyone identify with these people. And then on the other hand, you have these bad people Uh, um, nobody identifies with and with that these movies really mystify that there are these uh, social relations and uh, that acting selfishly within these relations is sort of a logical kind of result and with this i would like to end today's episode and um yeah please tell me what, what you think about this new podcast format i'm experimenting with uh, right now and also if you're not familiar with my uh youtube channel or uh my uh, Spotify uh, channel, depending on where you hear this right now or see this right now. Uh, I would appreciate a subscription and um, until next time. Bye-bye.